Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 Podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Path 11 podcast. We have a very exciting episode today. My guest today is Thomas John, and he is actually one of the featured psychic mediums at the Afterlife Awareness Conference. So if you haven't purchased your ticket yet, I'd like you to head on over to afterlifeconference.com. I'm going to give you a code. That will give you $40 off your general admission ticket. I'd like you to use PATH40, and uh, that will get you into the general conference. The conference is June 24th through the 27th, and there are pre-workshops and post-workshops that are separate from the general admission ticket. So that uh, PATH40 code is only for general admission. And my guest today, like I said, is Thomas John. He is a global psychic and medium sensation who has impressed audiences with his accurate messages from the other side and is constantly in high demand with influencers and those at crossroads in their life. Thomas has also been a trusted advisor to celebrities around the country, including Courtney Cox, Sarah Gilbert, and Goldie Hawn. Thomas also aired his first television show called Seatbelt Psychic on Lifetime in 2018, and he also wrote his first novel, Never Argue with a Dead Person, True and Unbelievable Stories from the Other Side, that was published in 2015. Thomas John has also aired his second television series in June of 2020 on CBS, All Access, called The Thomas John Experience. And I had the pleasure of seeing Thomas work at the 2018 and 2020 Afterlife Conference. Pretty remarkable uh, medium. So welcome, Thomas. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to see you again. So um, I've, I've seen your work. I've seen you do gallery readings. Um, it's really spectacular and amazing. Uh, you're probably one of the most accurate mediums that I have witnessed. And I'm usually behind the camera watching all of that. But I don't know a whole lot about your personal background and story. So I'd like to learn a little bit more about you and um, how you kind of got into this field and how this, how this um, developed for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Yeah, well, um, you know, I grew up in a really small town, a pretty traditional, um, you know, upbringing in terms of just, you know, uh, two sisters and, um, uh, you know, mom and a dad and stuff. Um, and, um, you know, I grew up um, kind of in an environment where um, it was pretty chaotic, uh, pretty, pretty intense, pretty violent, pretty abusive. And so, Immediately when I was about four or five years old, I kind of started to go kind of into my more my inner world than my outer world. Um, my mom has actually since told me that um, she remembers, I don't have a recollection ever of this, but she says that even when I was two and three years old, um, that I was, uh, she knew very clearly that I was talking to people that weren't there. Um, that she couldn't see, you know, that I had said things to her about her sister who had died when she was nine years old. Um, I, you know, described things about her, like what she was buried in. Um, and, and, you know, not in necessarily full statements, but I would 
talk about people that I saw and things like that. Um, but my parents, just because of the dynamics in my household, were very um, into more of a fear-based mentality, more about they were more focused on telling me, um, you know, this is really bad. This is demonic. You're a bad, you know, you're bad for having this. Um, you need to pray about this, things like that. So I grew up very kind of scared about it. I was, I was um, really not, I, I didn't really, I definitely immediately was aware that this was not a safe environment for me to, you know, uh, talk about this in and stuff. And it just kind of got worse and worse as I got older. Um, you know, my, my dad got more and more abusive and my, you know, so it just, it was not, you know, anything, anytime I, and I did bring things up because I was, you know, still young and, you know, you just are, you know, doing what you're doing. So, um, and one of the spirits that distinctly visited me several, uh, many, many times, actually, I shouldn't even say several times, many times, but um, was my uh, dad's father, you know, uh, my grandfather, who I actually didn't, I didn't know him in life. I never had, had met him in life, um, but he actually did. He, he, he did visit me several times. And, um, you know, there was a couple times where my dad would listen to me. Um, but it, but 99% of the time it was more like, you know, uh, you know, it would lead to him having like a violent outburst. So, um, you know, really for just the structure of my life, you know, my life really didn't begin for me until I went to college, um, just because there was so much chaos in my house. So I kind of look at my life in that way that really my college was sort of like my childhood, you know, um. And I began to explore so many different things about myself, um, one of them being um, mediumship. And um, I began to try to learn about it a little bit. Um, I, I, I really did not um, really, I, I don't, I, I don't want to say that I didn't believe in it, but I was just so confused by different things. And um, I was really more focused at that point in my life than going to, um, I went to the University of Chicago which, I don't, you know, if you know anything about different schools, it's very academic focused. And so everybody there is like super serious about academics. And it was it was really a very intense academic experience, really not a place where people are, you know, necessarily, you know, there's not a really a lot of spirituality type aspects of things there. So um, it was another challenging thing for me. Um, and, uh, you know, different things sort of happened in my life. I, I, you know, I think one of the reasons was um, when I was about 21, well, 21, 22, yeah, I, I found myself in a really, really dark, uh, depressive sort of bad space in my life. Um, um, I had graduated from college. I uh, was not really happy in my life. Uh, I felt very alone. I felt very um, uh, sad. I had, you know, suicidal thoughts and I, um, I, I was doing a lot of sort of reckless behavior. And, um, that's kind of when I actually turned to spirit. Um, and, um, I actually started to explore, uh, meditation, um, receiving readings. Um, and there were several people that I sort of started to follow and look into a little bit about readings. Um, one of them was uh, Suzanne Northrup, who I know is part of the Afterlife Conference. Um, one of them was uh, Rita Berkowitz in Massachusetts. Um, and I had pretty interesting, a pretty, pretty 
life-changing experiences with them. And so because of that, I sort of started to lean more into my metaphysical spiritual side and um, just kind of learn more about it and stuff. And I think probably like anybody else, you know, um, eventually I got to the place where I was going to do some readings and um, dabble with that. And And it just was one of those things where, you know, I would read somebody and then two months later they would come back or they might, send a friend or they might send five friends or they might send 20 friends. And, you know, there's only so many hours in a day. So eventually it got to, Oh, I have to put you next week. Oh, I have to put you next month. Oh, I have to put you in six months. And, um, you know, I just got very, you know, very busy and, 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 and stuff like that. So that's, that's kind of basically how it all started in terms of the timeline of everything. Yeah. Um, have you found, just in, in your own experience, I have found it in my experience too, that people that tend to grow up in chaotic households or maybe have experienced some sort of abuse or just really um, high dysfunction tend to be some of the most intuitive people because you really have to, like you say, go inward, read the energy to survive, mm-hmm. to understand the people and the players in your life and to anticipate what's going to happen before it actually happens. Um, do, you, do you find that as well? Oh, I definitely find that that's true. And I think that there's even, you know, some science um, to, uh, to, to back that up and stuff. And I think that there, I think what happened, I think in a sort of um, what happens is, is your outer world is so chaotic, you know, um, that your inner world really becomes your uh, non-chaotic, you know, and, and, um, you know, and I sort of jokingly have said to people before, um, when they ask me, are you scared of, you know, mediumship? Are you scared of talking to these people that have died? And I often say to people, um, I'm not scared of the dead. I'm scared of the living, you know, and it's interesting because even when somebody has died who maybe made the wrong decisions in life or didn't, you know, they do have the vantage point of they have had a life review. They have gone into a higher state of consciousness. So there is that aspect to things. Um, I definitely have found that, though. And I, and I think it would be interesting to look at the science of why that is, which I, I know people are working on that and stuff. But I definitely find that. I find that a lot of mediums, um, you know, and it can be different forms and certainly not all mediums, but um, a lot of mediums come from very chaotic uh, childhoods, abusive childhoods. So, yeah, I think I think that is definitely true. Yeah. Early training, I, I like to call it. You know, I sometimes, if, I'm sure you've heard the term tossed around to the wounded healer, you know, like how a lot of, of people will go into more spiritual studies or become healers or, you know, mediums and stuff like that. But, you know, we really had the training ground for uh, great abilities, like you said, when you're two, three, four, five, six, you know, really young to be able to tap in and to access into that other world. So, you know, I don't even know so much if it's like the wounded healer, but um, I don't know. I think that we need a different term for that because, uh, you know, people that survive that type of dysfunction and then have the ability to understand energy and to access other realities, I think are pretty special people, not wounded in, in right. my opinion, you know? Yeah. So I'm just curious to know with, with your success and everything that you've accomplished, um, did your relationship with your father ever change? Has he become more open or is that just, did you kind of move away from that relationship and that family and just kind of keep doing you and and what you needed to do? 
Yeah. So we, you know, we ended up leaving my father in the, in the ninth in 10th grade, uh, ninth grade really. And, and so I did have a few normal years of high school. Um, unfortunately it was such a, um, in, in, in that time in my little small town of Plainville, Massachusetts, it was a very sort of public thing. It was on the news. It was like this whole thing. So it was almost like it kind of hung over me all of high school. So one of the great aspects of, I mean, Growing up, my, you know, my childhood was so abusive that I was like not allowed to have friends. So it wasn't like until the ninth grade after we left my dad, really, that um, we I ended up, um, um, you know, even like having a friend, you know, because it was like it was not a part of my, you know, reality and people that are not, in a, you know, abusive households, they don't probably understand, you know, how is that possible? You didn't have friends, but it was literally, you know, every aspect of my life was micromanaged. So we weren't allowed to have friends. We weren't allowed to have friends over. So, you know, 10th grade was about like, you know, talking to people, you know, making a friend, you know, uh, sitting with somebody at lunch. Um, so, you know, again, when I went to college, that's kind of when it was like more because I could tell, you know, I didn't have to tell it. everybody didn't know. Oh, yeah, that's, you know, Tom Flanagan's son. You know, ooh, yeah, his dad's weird. So I could start in college and I was just who I was, you know, so I was just Thomas, you know, um, and it wasn't this whole thing. So that was one aspect of it. You know, as far as my father, unfortunately, um, he ended up going to prison um, um, multiple times after we left him. He actually spent the majority of his life after we left him in prison. And um, I never did. He's actually since passed away. Um, he died about three years ago. Um, and um, I was not able to see him um, to, before he passed. Um, it was really interesting, though, a little mediumship experience about this is um, – about six months, I hadn't talked to him. I didn't, you know, I didn't, didn't get like updates about him. But about six months before he died, um, I got uh, a friend of mine had said that she had bought tickets to see Hollister Rand um, for a group reading. And she asked me if I wanted to go. And I'm, I'm a, you know, some mediums don't, but I'm a medium. I like to go and experience readings. I think it's a fun, I think it's fun. I always learn something. Um, I have such a respect and appreciation for mediumship that uh, it's, you know, and, 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 you know, and people say, you know, well, do you, do, don't you talk to your own loved ones? And of course I do, but I, it's great to also experience that dynamic of having a reading and I so rarely get to do that. And Hollister had been on my radar as somebody I wanted to see, but it just never worked out for some reason like i would you know plan to go and then i was out of town or then i would plan to set up a reading and then it would just wouldn't work timing so i said you know what i'm gonna go with you um uh, I'm, I'm gonna go with you so um i we booked it six months you know it was something like i forget uh, you know maybe she had it for she had it like for september but she probably called me like in february or something so i you know i had this intention of going so and i totally forgot about it actually and then my dad passed in august and my uncle called me um, and said, you know, your dad's got lung cancer. He's probably got a week to live. Um, and I actually was going to try to see him, um, but with all the restrictions because of the prison and getting the paperwork and things like that, it didn't get processed in time. My dad passed away. So 
um, I went to this reading with, and I did like a month later, I was like, oh, I've got this reading with Hollister. I'm going to go with my friend. So we went and it was, you know, over in Pasadena or whatever she is. And we went into the, you know, the circle. It was like one of her groups of 10. Um, and as soon as she came to me, my dad came right through. Um, and it was a pretty interesting experience. And actually, as I've had, you know, maybe one or two readings since then, um, he always comes through and stuff. So I'm at the place in my life, I certainly don't condone, you know, all the abusive stuff that he did. Um, but I do feel that he has grown on the other side. And I do feel the aspects of him that were positive have lit up. And I feel like the aspects of him that were very dark have kind of, you know, gone down. Um, and so that's been pretty interesting to have that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, do you connect with him more or do you feel like you're able to heal the relationship between the two of you or have a better relationship with him in spirit? Yes. I mean, definitely, you know, there was no capability for me to have a conversation with my dad because he was so, you know, so he didn't know, for example, about, you know, well, I guess he, my uncle said he ended up finding out about it, but he didn't really get it. But, um, I, you know, even though I told him all my life that I saw dead people, he, I guess, I don't know, he didn't really understand the thing, but he, he did know that I had become a medium, but I, again, we never talked about it. Um, you know, I, you know, we never talked about my sexuality. He never got to meet any of my adult friends, you know? So, um, yeah, he's actually given me a lot of clear signs. Um, one thing was, um, you know, just, just, I mean, Total, very clear things, you know, I mean, even from Hollister telling me, um, you know, she immediately said to me, you know, there's a man standing behind you and he's got all these stray cats. Um, and my dad, even though he was, a, you know, a crazy abusive person, um, he was obsessed with cats and he would go and, you know, he'd take cats off the street and bring them into our house and stuff. And they would have like the life of luxury while like we were like deprived of food. So, you know, my sisters and I kind of joke, I mean, and now at this point we joke about it. We're like, you know, all these cats were like getting like, you know, $5, $10 cans of cat food and we would like not eat for two days. Um, but, but that was my dad, you know, so it makes sense that he would come through immediately with cats and, you know, there's no way anybody would know that. I, I nobody knows that except really my family. So it's not like I've talked about my dad with cats. So, um, and so I, I knew in this, as soon as Hollister said that, that he was coming through, I have had senses of him, feelings of him. Um, he's come to me in dreams. He's done, um, other weird things were like, um, uh, my sister sent me his rosary beads. Um, cause my father was a devout Catholic, even though I don't really see how it helped him at all. But uh, my father was a really devout Catholic, always went to church. And um, my, my sister actually got his rosary beads from the prison um, that apparently he had in his cell when he died. And um, she's like, do you, you know, do you want these? They're, they, they creep me out. She's like, I don't, I don't want them. Um, I'm going to throw them out. I said, I'll take them. So she sent them to me in a mail and I put them in my sock drawer um, and uh, they actually arrived. And the only person in my house was me and my boyfriend and they arrived. And I, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these. So I put them in my sock drawer and my boyfriend was actually out of town that weekend. I forgot he had gone to like San Francisco or something. He was away with his friends. And so I put them in my sock drawer because I didn't, I didn't want them like dangling somewhere. So I just put them in my sock drawer. Um, 
Uh, and it was, um, and um, my dad always took his rosaries and hung them on the mirrors, um, like in his bathroom or things like that. Um, and um, so I, I put them in my sock drawer and um, like two days later, my boyfriend was still out of town. I like was running errands. I came home and the rosary beads were out of the sock drawer and they were on the floor in front of my bed. And, you know, people might say, well, you know, you must have gone in the sock drawer and, you know, maybe you dragged them out. No, I did not. You know, there, there's no way. Um, and then it happened again. Like, uh, so I, cause I put them back in the sock drawer and then about a month or two later, they were out. My boyfriend found them. They were out in the living room, like in a drawer, but like, you know, there's no way that they would have been. So, um, you know, I don't, I guess it was just his thing of like, he wanted them out or something, or I don't know if he was trying to get my attention. Um, but yeah, I have had a lot of different, you know, I could probably actually tell you 10 or 15 things that have happened. Um, with um, I see his birthday all the time. And it's interesting because since he wasn't really a part of my life for so long, it's not even like I'm really looking for those things because I don't necessarily feel a need that I need to connect with him, but he just does a lot of things to, you know, you know, get my attention and stuff. And I, I've heard through mediums and through my own meditations and when he's come in dreams that he's, you know, he's proud of me and that we had a soul contract that in order for me to do this work, which requires compassion and dealing with people with lots of trauma, that I needed to have that experience that it made me a more compassionate, empathic person. Um, and I try to take that perspective with my clients too. You know, it's not always easy because, you know, we don't understand that. And, and it's also, we want to always be, I feel aware of not, not sort of saying, oh, well, you know, my mother, you know, she used to tie me up in the closet and, you know, beat the crap out of me and stuff. But hey, you know, she was my, my teacher, you know, I learned some, we don't want to dismiss the true traumatic, we want to honor that. And we want to, uh, you know, really, especially, you know, as we're becoming, I think, as a, as a universe, as a world, more conscious of, of, you know, how much pain, how much hurt that is. I mean, we want to, we want to, we want to, you know, stick with the facts of what happened. We don't want to condone um, that. I mean, my father was, um, you know, a violent, you know, not a good father. I mean, he was, a, 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 you know, but I am of the belief that some of that, a lot of what happens in our life, that a lot of it is pre-orchestrated and that we do choose to do these dances with these people in order to, you know, go to a higher place in our own spiritual path. If we choose that, you know, some people I feel get stuck and it's like, they just can't get over the, the trauma of things. Um, and, and that's, that, that's that too. But um, yeah, so that's just kind of my, you know, my whole thing with my dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you also feel that, you know, this experience to just take you to another level or just remind you, give you a little refresher of what it's like to be on the other side because you've been doing mediumship for so long and probably sitting with people. And although people all have different stories, it probably feels a little bit similar, you know, in some case, but to have it hit you on the personal level, you know, three years ago and being on, on the other side and processing some of this relationship and then having your dad come to you, did it give you even more compassion and a greater understanding for what your clients maybe are going through? Oh, 
I think to an extent, you know, um, maybe not in a huge way in terms of that, but I just, um, I think the whole experience in general, you know, and I, you know, and again, I'm not, you know, some people have said, oh, well, you know, you must have that victim mentality if you're saying that, but um, I personally would, I'm, I feel blessed that I, I'm, I'm happy actually that I had that journey with my father. I do think that there's a lot of things that, and, and if you think about it in life, you know, we usually do learn a lot from our most challenging experiences. You know, the experiences that are most challenging are, you know, I always say to people, you know, um, you know, I mean, who do you think has a more spiritually transformative experience? You know, um, somebody who, you know, gets their leg amputated because of the health condition or somebody who goes and, you know, eats a Pop-Tart or an ice cream sundae. You know, I mean, we love all aspects of life and you can have really beautiful powerful transformers that of course are are not traumatic and i'm not saying that that but i do think that when we go through difficult places whether it's losing somebody whether it's a violent whether it's abusive relationship uh where we we're in this dance with somebody and um we do need to look at sort of what has this taught me what have i learned from this um you know whether it's a short-lived thing or things like that um, but I think there's so much that I learned from that. And the other weird, interesting thing about it is, you know, when my father passed, I was actually in the right about in the middle of um, what well, wasn't right about. I was in the middle of though starting. To, I had just written um, my um, off Broadway show, Dead Serious, um, and it was all about my father. There was a lot of my father in it, and um, you know, uh, and uh, we were writing it, you know, and actually we had gotten to we were writing it that summer in New York, um, and um, and we were putting some of it, starting to put some of it into rehearsal and put some actors in it, and it was like I was actually in a lot of it, but we also had actors in it too. Um, that were sort of playing different roles and stuff. And we were we were trying to actually, we were getting to the point where we were trying to actually figure out how we were going to deal with my father because, you know, he is this character in my life, but I, I didn't want him on stage. Um, so we had decided that he was going to be kind of this booming voice that would come on occasionally. Um, and um, I walked into rehearsals one, and I said, well, my dad died. So, uh, and my writing partner was like, she's like, what? And I said, yeah, my dad died. And she was like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad we didn't do the musical yet because we had to, you know, we had to add different parts of things and stuff. So, um, yeah, it just, you know, it's, it, but I definitely think it has, um, yeah, kind of, re, you know, reawakened that part of things. And, um, you know, it, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would also agree with you too. I think the concept of soul contracts has also really helped me with um, difficult people in my life, uh, the death of my mom as well. And uh, that was a pretty um, tough relationship to get through with filled with a lot of trauma. Um, but the, the concept of soul contracts, like you said, not to downplay the experiences of what one goes through, but it does seem to kind of take the burn out of it a little bit if you're able to really look at it in more of that resilient way that you talk about of that it's here to help you you're growing from it you're evolving from these experiences and like you said you know with your soul contract that um it provided you a deeper level of compassion and understanding to be able to do the work that you do Mm -hmm. yeah i think that is true 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, Thomas John, this was an awesome conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us. Um, I know, I guess another thing, maybe before we end, I know that you've been doing a lot of work with uh, Suzanne Northrup, who is also a featured medium at the Afterlife Conference. So that has to be pretty cool. The fact that she was one of the people that had such a profound experience on your life with doing a reading of getting a reading from her. And now you guys are working side by side. You guys have been uh, doing a lot of gallery readings during the pandemic since uh, everything has gone virtual. So that has to be neat to work side by side with her now. Yeah, it's been awesome. She, uh, um, uh, she, um, um, uh, uh, yeah, she, it's interesting. She is, um, uh, she, she jokes and says that I've kind of, um, that I've, um, that I've, that I, she, she kind of jokes and says that I stalked her, but, uh, yeah, we've done a lot of events and it's a nice dynamic. We really, you know, we really enjoy working together and stuff and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, now that things are opening up, what are your plans? Um, I'm sure that you have a bunch of stuff listed on your website, but what's in store for 2021, 2022, are you going to be back on the road? Are you doing events in person or are you sticking to the virtual format? Um, you know, it's interesting. I think that I'm going to do a combination. Um, I think we are going to do, we're going to keep a lot of the virtual, um, readings and, um, also, um, we're going to also, um, do some in-person stuff as well. So we're going to feel it out. Um, I definitely think we'll add some in-person stuff too. So, mm-hmm. okay, great. And are you in New York or are you in California? Where are you living now? Um, I'm in California right now. Mm-hmm. You are. Okay. Going to New York a lot and, and I still have my place there and stuff. So I'll be doing some stuff in New York and stuff. So, mm-hmm. all right, great. Well, we should connect because, you know, I'm in New York as well. Actually, we're pretty close to where Suzanne uh, lives. So uh, maybe, maybe the three of us, we could all get together and do some sort of event, you know, with path 11 or something that would be a lot of fun too. And, and any more information about your off Broadway play, because I'm so excited to hear that Broadway's opening up and I'm, I have tickets for a show in October. So you know, it's super exciting. Yeah. Well, I actually, we actually performed it. We did have a couple of small little performances of it um, and kind of, you know, sort of waiting to see what the dynamics are and stuff. I think I will bring it back at some point. I'm not sure exactly in what format, but you know, it's there and we did it and stuff. So mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, congratulations to you. And can you let my listeners know your website? So if they would like to go on, book a reading or, um, you know, buy a ticket to one of your events, where can they find you? Um, It would be at mediumthomas.com. Click on events. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And if you would like to experience Thomas John, you can purchase your general admission ticket to the Afterlife Awareness Conference. Tickets can be bought at afterlifeconference.com. His message circle is Sunday, June 27th, 9.30 a.m. Pacific, 11.30 Central, and 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So his is happening on Sunday, the last day of the event. He kind of closes the conference out. And again, use Path 40 to get $40 off your general admission ticket. And I hope to see some of you there. And Thomas, it was a real pleasure. I really enjoyed getting to know you on a much deeper level. And I appreciate your vulnerability and uh, your honesty and sharing your story. It was really great. Thank you. Thanks for connecting. All right. Take care, everyone.
Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's podcast. And I'd like to give you a couple of coupon codes before you go. I would first love for you to go to path11tv.com and I'd like you to sign up for your free seven day trial. If you like what we have on there, which I know you will, I would like you to go ahead on checkout and put in the code podcast 30. That's going to give you 30% off of the annual subscription. And uh, the afterlife awareness conference is also giving path 11 podcast listeners $40 off the general admission ticket for the virtual conference this year. You can go to afterlifeconference.com. You can purchase your general admission ticket through Eventbrite and put the code. There's a place in the top left corner. You go ahead and click that coupon code and put in PATH40. Again, that's PATH40, and that's going to give you $40 off of the general admission ticket. So with the Afterlife Awareness Conference, they are also giving you six months of free replays. So if you cannot make the conference on June 24th through the 27th, that's not a problem. We will give you six months to rewatch that conference at your leisure. So again, two coupon codes, path11tv.com. Get 30% off by using podcast 30 and afterlifeawarenessconference.com. Go ahead and use path 40 to get $40 off your general admission ticket. Thanks everyone. Talk to you soon. Thank you.